Anxiety shouldn't be the norm. Get the powerful safe audio system for anxiety over at quietbegins.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain. My name is Paul Coliani and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, what a year it's been, 2020. I'm glad we are still here. I'm glad we're getting through it, even though there might be challenges. And why I brought that up is because I really don't want this year to repeat itself. (laughs) I don't want to live this year again. I mean, there were some good stuff that happened this year as well. But, you know, it's dealing with a lot of stuff. And uh, it would be nice if we didn't have to repeat this year. So the reason I bring that up is because uh, I'm going to read an email shortly about someone who makes the same mistakes over and over again. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about values on this show. I've probably brought it up more times than you care. But values are one of the number one things in my life when it comes to understanding my decisions. If you don't understand why you make the decisions that you do, then you probably don't know your values too well. It's very helpful to know what you value most in your life, in different areas of your life, so that you don't make bad decisions. In a nutshell, values drive your decisions. Well, for most people. They drive my decisions for sure. And values are driven by emotion. Not just emotions, but values are driven by how we want to feel. And values are also driven by what we may not have enough of in our life. And I, I like that concept because we can look at something that we don't have enough of in our life and make it something that we value, make it something important so that we get or try to get more of that in our life. So let's just say that you've been single for a long time. You might value having a relationship if you want one. You might value it above almost everything. Like you might think, It would be fantastic to have a wonderful partner to share life with. And that could be important to you. And anything that's important to you, I consider a value. So you might value the idea of having more money. And because that's important to you, it is a value. So that's what I mean when I talk about values is whatever is important to you. I talk about this in my Stop Self-Sabotage workbook that I sell on my website at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. But I always say on every episode that I talk about values that you don't have to buy the workbook if you listen to the show. 
<laughs> the workbook helps you. It condenses all the instructions into one easy-to-read thing. But I'm not here to sell you on anything. I'm only here to give you the information that you need so that you can use it the way you want to use it. What I talk about in the workbook is listing everything you value in the order of the most important to the least important. And they may all be important, but you know what I mean. You want to put the most important one at the number one position. So you look at an area of life that you have values in, for example, relationships, and you ask yourself, what do I value about a partner or about a relationship in general, however you want to word it. For me, I value honesty. I value um, having fun. I value laughing. I value sex, I value attraction, I value a bunch of stuff in my relationship. And so I would take all these values and list them in the order that I find the most important. So let's just say, I'm going to throw this out there, it's not true in my case, but let's just say I put number one, sex. If I put my number one value is sex and my number two value is respect and my number three value is laughing then I'm really okay being disrespected as long as I get sex. In that order, I'm really okay not laughing as much as I might as long as I have respect and sex because I've ordered them that way. This might be something you do on paper, this might be something you do in your head, but I think it's important to understand where you uh, put your values, how you prioritize them, because your decisions are based on them. And using my example, I might look at that and go, you know, yes, sex is great, but boy, I really hate being yelled at. I really hate being disrespected in my relationship. So maybe I need to reorder this. Maybe sex needs to move down and respect needs to move up. So I'm going to swap the sex value and put the respect value at the top. And so now I can say, okay, as long as I'm getting respect, then sex would be enjoyable and laughing would be fun. But let's just say I wasn't really laughing as much in the relationship, but I was still having sex. So I'm not really having much fun, but I'm having sex. <laughs> so that's nice. I know if this is making you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. I don't talk about sex too much on this show, but we're adults here. We can do this, and I keep it clean just in case kids are listening too. But what I just did was I put respect at the top, sex in the middle, and laughing on the bottom. I mean, there's other values in there too, but I'm just using three for to help me remember it easier. Um, and so now I'm in a relationship where I'm not laughing that much. I'm not really having that much fun. So maybe I'm prioritizing sex too much. So I'm going to move that down again. I mean, this is the stuff you can just choose to do. You can choose to reorder your values. So now I have respect and now I have laughing and fun. Bundle those together. And now I have sex in the third position. So I'm going to tell myself, okay, as long as I feel respected, as long as I'm enjoying myself and having fun, then I can enjoy sex. You know, if I don't have those other two, I may not enjoy sex. I may not want it because I'll be so upset or just disturbed or something. So now I've ordered them in a hierarchy that makes me feel better and I will have other values too and I'll evaluate those values and compare their order and how I'd feel if those values were on top or below. And I'd ask myself, okay, am I comfortable with this? Is this the order I want them in? So that's basically what the workbook 
Stop Self-Sabotage talks about is helping you order these values so that, and this is the important part, when you make decisions, you check in with your values and ask yourself, is this in alignment with these values in the order that I've put them in? And if you say, well, no, then your decision is less likely to work out. And that is one of the keys to making good decisions is that when you put values in the wrong order, you end up sabotaging your path to success. If you have your values in the wrong order, you end up sabotaging your path to success. Yes, I repeated it. I wanted to drill that in because what ends up happening is, let's just say, you end up in a miserable relationship. And maybe you end up in many miserable relationships. Hopefully that's not you, but this person who wrote, which I'm going to read her email in a moment, has ended up in many miserable relationships. So I would want to ask her directly, if I was working with her one-on-one, I would ask her, well, what do you value in a partner? And then we would go over the list. Well, I want him or her to be honest. I want him or her to uh, make me laugh and I want to be attracted. You know, all the stuff that I talked about, but hers may be different. So we're going to go through those values and then we're going to put them in order. And I'm going to say, okay, is this more important than this? Is A more important than B? Is laughing more important than sex? Is respect more important than honesty? And you might think, well, they're all equally important, but that's that's where we get stuck. We think that everything is just as important as another. Well, some of us think this. Some of us think that everything is just as important as everything else, but there really is a hierarchy because if you don't have one above the other, then you kind of wash everything out. You kind of put yourself in a bad position because now you have nothing to evaluate. Let's just say that you made everything equal. You can't say, well, they disrespected me, but the sex is good, and this is good, and this is good, so I guess it's okay. If you say that, then what you're doing is you're raising your level of resilience and toleration for perhaps bad behavior. And if you don't have those values separated and put in a hierarchy, then what you may end up doing is making the bad stuff that happens just as equal as the good stuff. It's hard to explain, but what I'm trying to say is that when you don't have your values in an order that makes sense to you, then when something bad happens, you may not be able to figure out exactly what the problem is. You will just think, oh, they behave badly one day, I'll get over it, and I'll move on. Instead of having something to refer to and tell yourself something like, respect is my number one value and they violated it. That's a problem because if I value that most importantly and they violate it, none of my other values will ever get met. Imagine that. Imagine there's one thing that's being violated that cancels out everything else. That happens in many situations in life. It happens in many relationships. So if you are carrying around the idea that, okay, one mistake here and there is no big deal, and you don't have your values in an order that makes sense to you and that works for you, then you may generalize everything that happens into one big bucket and then continue down a path that may be self-sabotaging. 
I hope this is making sense, but if it doesn't, that's why I sell the workbook. <laughs> it gets into it a little bit uh, better and it walks you through it. But the whole idea is to make sure you know what's important to you so that when somebody crosses the line and violates a value, you understand what happened and then you can do what you need to do, do at that point. For example, if my girlfriend started disrespecting me, respect is pretty high on my list. Not that I demand it, I just expect it and I value it. And it's nice to have. I think we can all agree, respect is nice to have. So let's just say that she started disrespecting me. She was calling me names and they were just out of the blue. They weren't deserved or she was upset about something and she never told me. She just really upset with me and she kept disrespecting me. I would, I would have to stop her and say, look, what you're saying feels very disrespectful. Would you please stop? And if she called me names and reacted badly and she said she didn't care if it was disrespectful and I deserved it, I might have to take another stand and say, look, I need you to stop because I don't want to be disrespected. Now, the conversation wouldn't necessarily go like that because I'm not going to say, hey, would you stop violating my value of respect? It wouldn't go like that at all. But I would check in with myself and ask myself, okay, what's going on here? She's disrespecting me. And feeling respected is important to me in a relationship. So I would have to bring it up and put a stop to it or do something about it. But the whole idea is I'm addressing it. And that's what I mean is that when a value is violated, address it and express it so that it doesn't happen again. Because if you're with someone or you're in a situation where your values are violated or even one or two of them, then that situation is never going to get better if that value continues to get violated. So if your number one and two values continue to get violated, numbers three through ten will never be met. And you already know what happens. When you can't meet your values, you end up sabotaging your path to success. So be familiar with your values. Look in the areas of your life, you know, your career, your relationships, your personal growth, your spirituality, your education, whatever you are focused on in your life and you want to understand what's important to you in those areas of life and then list them. You know, they could be a word or a couple words or a phrase. You just put them in the order that you find most important and then you compare those to each other and you figure out, okay, if I had this, would this be okay? Meaning if I had the number one value of respect, then would laughing be okay? It's probably not a good example, but if I had respect, would sex be okay? If I had respect, would working here be okay? Because if your number one value is money, for example, in a job, and respect was number two, then you might tell yourself, well, as long as I have money, then it's okay if I'm not respected as much. Some people might have that perspective, and that's okay if you do. If your number one value is being met, then what happens is the other values, it's okay for them to take a back seat because your top values are being met. But what ends up happening is that you consider or reconsider your values over time and you look at the order they're in. For example, we'll do the job thing again. Let's just say that your number one value is money and your number two value is respect and your number three value is getting weekends off. But then one day you come in and you feel so disrespected that the money doesn't matter anymore, or at least doesn't matter as much, because they're just pushing you and pushing you, and you feel like you're getting torn apart inside, and you don't know what to do with all this upset. You might have to reevaluate your values. You might have to reorder them so that your number one is met, 
and then maybe the money. Or maybe money is number three because now you have to move respect up the line. And maybe they forced weekends on you and you don't want to work weekends, so you're going to have to push weekends up there too and make money less important because without the top-level values being met, your foundation gets crumbled. And when your foundation's crumbled, it's hard to be happy. It's hard to enjoy life. It's hard to be comfortable. And it's easy to sabotage your path because every decision you make is based on these values. And using the job one more time as the example, if you're looking through all the want ads and they don't pay enough, then you may never get the job because you never see the money. But if your number one value is bringing food home, then maybe you can ease off on how much money you want and put that down the list a bit and your number one value might turn into as long as I can eat. <laughs> now we're at the low end of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you're familiar with that, where you need food and shelter and oxygen to breathe. And once you meet those, then other things become more important. These are all your values. These are all what's important to you. So I don't want to define that for you. But I hope that this makes sense because as we get into this uh, next segment, I'm going to read this email and um, we're going to use that as kind of the backdrop for what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, and of course, other things as well. But again, thanks for joining me. I'm so glad you're here. We'll be right back after this. about values what interferes with your happiness this is a great topic for today's show because I'm here to tell you about BetterHelp they are licensed professional counselors that you can access without having to get in a car and drive anywhere you can go right online and the the URL that I give out is BetterHelp that's H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain and when you use that address you'll get 10% off your first month so that's BetterHelp dot com forward slash brain and the reason I'm telling you this is because everything they do is off-site and online. And online in a way where you can do a video call, you can do uh, messaging back and forth, you can reach out to them anytime through messaging, and um, you can be on the phone as well. But these are all licensed counselors who specialize in many areas like depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, uh, grief and self-esteem issues, LGBT matters, anything that you can find with a brick and mortar therapist. So I really want you to consider if you have been having the year of your life and not in a good way, uh, then better help may be what you need. They are there to help you figure out what's preventing you from achieving your goals. I mean, if you've written down all your values and you still make decisions that are self-sabotaging or you're still getting into trouble in areas of your life or can't heal from something in your life, then BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist where you can connect in a safe and private online environment. And uh, as soon as you join, you can start communicating in under 24 hours. And this isn't the typical self-help stuff. It is direct one-on-one -on -one professional counseling. And um, I've already heard from listeners that use this service and they love it. So I am sharing it with you. I love promoting their service. I think it's very important for the world especially now and going into the new year 
I think a lot of people are going to need it. So if you are interested in something like this, check them out, betterhelp.com. That's H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com forward slash brain. And as a listener of this show, you'll get 10% off your first month. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Betterhelp.com forward slash brain. Welcome back. I value you as a listener. In fact, that's very high on my list of values when I do this show. If I didn't value you, then I probably wouldn't be on, what, year seven right now doing this show. What's interesting is that when I first started this show, it was only my investment of time, energy, and money. So for the first, I think, two or three years that I did the show, all of my time, energy, and money went into it. And I really had to assess after the first six months why I do this show. Because after six months of putting your blood, sweat, and tears into something and realizing that your bank account is dwindling, (laughs) back then my bank account was dwindling because there was no money. To be completely transparent with you, there was no money coming in. And it was all my investment into what you are hearing today. And so I built the foundation. I spent all my savings continuing to build this because I truly valued healing. I valued healing and I valued other people around me healing. And the reason is because I went through healing. And if you're like me, as soon as you go through any type of healing, God, you want to share it with other people. (laughs) You just want to tell people, this is what I did. Because there are so many people that might be going through exactly what you went through. And I know there's a lot of people that went through what I went through. So when I created the show, it was to share what I knew because I valued healing and I valued other people healing. And I also valued feeling good for like the first time ever. I'm feeling really good deep down inside. I mean, at the deepest level where I wasn't carrying around any old emotional triggers. For the first time after all this healing that I went through and all my training and my education and my studies, I went through a lot to get to the point where I was when I was starting this show. I just wanted to share it because if I feel this good, I want others to feel this good too. So I started creating values regarding the show and, you know, the listeners like you are listening. I value you and this is why I keep doing it. This is why I keep coming back. I'm not trying to paint a picture in your head that I'm some saint. That's not it at all, and I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'm a nice guy. I just realized back then, because I was putting so much time and energy and money into what you hear today, that I had to make sure I was going in the right direction. And when I started getting email responses and people were commenting and complimenting and saying thank you, it felt so good. It felt like my words were getting out there. It felt like it was helping people they were telling me that it was helping them. So I got this solid feedback that really pushed me forward and kept me going and continues to do that today. I continue to be fed like that today in a way that tells me that I'm still going in the right direction and it is meeting my value of healing. If you are healing, if you are growing, I mean, you used to hear me say this all the time, learn, heal, grow, and evolve. That has been my philosophy since day 
12. <laughs> I don't know if it was day one, but it was later on. I realized this is what I want to do. These are my values. I want people to learn. I want them to heal. I want them to grow and then evolve from the emotional space, the psychological space that they're in because they want to go further. If you want to improve yourself in any way, I believe you're in the right place. At least this is one of the many resources out there. I believe that when you listen to something like this and you are learning, growing, and healing and evolving, you're going in the right direction. So that sort of has become a mantra in my mind and the philosophy of this show is that if I'm always going in that direction, then I'm always going to be successful. And as this show goes on seven years, that's a success. Seven years of a show is a success. So I look at that as a success. And of course, my other show, Love and Abuse, same concept. My other show is about emotional abuse and helping people understand and work with emotionally abusive behavior from others or in themselves. And I still have that same philosophy. I want them to learn and heal and grow and evolve out of the emotional abuse cycle. It's always some cycle. There's some dysfunctional cycles on this end. There's emotional abuse cycles on that end. And they cross over to the other territory all the time. Emotional abuse and dysfunction on both sides. But coming back before I go down too much of a tangent, I told you about my show and being seven years because when you're in alignment with your values, there's no reason something can't continue. There's no reason something won't be successful. There are things that happen. There are challenges and obstacles that come up. And sometimes there's just bad luck and you just have to deal with it and move on. But typically I've found that when you are in alignment with your values, you are on the right path. So with that said, let's read this email and see where we can go with it. This person wrote, my friend recommended your podcast. I am in the quote middle of another breakup. This has been a wake up call. I have been in a relationship since I was 16 years old. I was engaged by 19, married by 20, divorced by 28, and I was in another relationship before the ink dried. I stayed in that dysfunction on and off for a year, and during the off times I was in another relationship, and then I broke up with him, and I stayed single for another few months, and I was miserable and lonely, and then I met my second husband, and I jumped headfirst, and we were moved in a few months later, then I became pregnant, and then we were married all within a year. We were together for over a decade, and again, before the ink dried, I got into the most dysfunctional relationship in my life, a narcissist who cheated on me and controlled me. That lasted a few years, I kicked him out, and then I was single for two months, and then I met another guy, and that was not good, and I broke up with him. And then I'm single for another two months. And then I met another guy, and then we fell madly in love. We were planning our future only after a few months, and then things got real, and he ran. So here I am. I see my pattern. I lose myself 1,000% in relationships. How do I stay me and connected? And how do I work on this crap so the next time I get into a relationship, I don't jump in and I take time to be myself? The guys may all be different, but they all have the same aspects. But it's me that changes and gives all of myself and more. I have two kids and they're non-negotiables in my life, but watching their mom in a string of unhappiness is horrible. It's probably from my childhood, I'm sure. I was watching my mother stay with my alcoholic, mentally abusive father, and she made excuses and kept quiet and stayed with him. Now that he's passed away, she is lonely and miserable. I don't want this to be my life. 
So there is a story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I am sorry that you have to deal with this. And I'm so glad that you reached out because we're going to talk about you. <laughs> we're going to talk about what's going on here. So you may have already figured out where I might go with you. But I'm going to comment on a couple of things that you said first. One thing that you said is that you change and give all of yourself and more. I need to understand what that means. Do you mean that when you get into a relationship, you become a chameleon? Are you the people pleaser? Are you the one that accommodates? Are you the one that you just change to accommodate them to keep the peace? Because if that's the case, that is going to lead to unhappiness. It might make them happy for a time, but it also leads to their unhappiness too. And if you don't know what I mean, I want you to listen to the episodes I've done on people-pleasing. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com, look up pleasing or people-pleasing in the search bar, and you'll find uh, quite a few resources on that. But the people-pleaser in a relationship, the one who accommodates, the one who submits, the one who changes who they are, almost always creates an environment that is not suitable for love and connection. It might be strange to hear this because you might think, isn't it better to accommodate and try to make others happy? If you think that, then I'm glad you tuned in because you should only go so far when you're doing that. Meaning, if you are the type of person that's highly accommodating and people-pleasing, then you need to make sure that you don't please others to the detriment of your own happiness. And what I mean by that is if you feel drained when you accommodate others, you're doing it wrong. If you feel drained when you are kind and nice and generous and helpful to others, it's all wrong. You're doing it the wrong way. You are doing it the opposite way. Because in order to feel charged and happy and wonderful when you do that with others, you have to do that for yourself first. You have to build yourself up and make yourself feel good and be in alignment with those values and continue to fill your own cup so that when you fill others' cups, you aren't drained and have nothing left for yourself. So if you've never heard me talk about people-pleasing, definitely tune in, go to The Overwhelmed Brain, look it up, and you'll find my episodes and articles on people-pleasing. Very important stuff because when you feel drained trying to please others, you're doing it the wrong way. You must fill your own cup first and have plenty left over to give. If you don't have any left over to give, then I hate to say it, you might not be giving from a genuine place. If you are accommodating and giving to someone from an emotionally deficit place, then it's not coming from that abundant love for yourself because you don't have any. And if you don't have any, where is it coming from? It sounds like it might be coming from obligation or responsibility. And that's why you get drained. So we have to be really careful there. So if you haven't changed, this person who wrote, if you haven't changed this about yourself, the fact that you change for others, this is the first thing that you need to work on. And what does that mean? Well, what are your values and what are your boundaries? If you don't know your values and you don't know your boundaries or you don't enforce your boundaries, then every relationship ends up like this. So what happens? Let's just say that you get into a bad relationship once again 
and you say, Paul, I've been honoring myself, and uh, it's still turning out in a bad way. They're still leaving, or they're still narcissist, or they're still hurtful. I would ask you, did you honor yourself from day one? Did you honor those values from day one? Because typically what happens, especially in bad relationships, is that you will let things slide to find out if they'll get better. Oh, he did this or she did that, but I'll just let it slide. Maybe they were having a bad day. So you let it slide instead of checking in, looking at your values, understanding your boundaries, and making sure that they didn't cross the line and addressing it right then and there in the moment. This is what happens. It happens over and over again in our lives. We let something slide and then it gets worse. So if you weren't honoring your values and your boundaries from day one, then you're likely to end up in commitments that end badly. So what I'm saying is that yes, you may still end up with people that are toxic, but at least you're filtering them out sooner than later. If you do that more and more, then what ends up happening is that you start showing up as a different person. You start seeing things right away that you don't like in someone, and then you start filtering those people out of your life. And once you start doing that, you are different. You will not tolerate bad behavior. You will only let certain people into your life, into that inner personal space. And if you're doing that, then less and less bad people will enter your life. Not saying they won't completely. It's hard to keep them all out. But if you do that more often than not, you start rebuilding yourself. You become a different person. You no longer come from a place of desperation. I'm not saying you are, but this is often what happens, is that we feel desperate to get in a relationship, so we'll let things slide. If you're not coming from a place of desperation, and you're coming from a place of empowered thinking and knowing your values and honoring your boundaries, then you're going to end up with much better results. So that's the first thing that I notice about your message is that you say you change. And as soon as you start changing for someone else, it's going to drain you and they may start mistreating you. Because what ends up happening in a people pleaser's life is that the other person starts to feel less and less purpose. And that's probably not the right term, but this is what comes to mind is that when you do things for others and anticipate everything they want and they need, it gives someone less purpose. They're going to start feeling unsettled. They're going to feel like there's something wrong in their life and they're not going to be able to tell what it is. They're going to look at you and say, well, you're so nice and you do everything for me, but there's just something wrong in my life and I don't know what it is. This isn't the totality of why this happens, but this is one of the reasons is that when you have somebody that's always getting up for you and doing everything for you and wants you to be happy all the time, then their journey to happiness is altered. It's taken away. Their challenges, their obstacles, all taken away by the person who is changing for them. And they also have a problem understanding and knowing who you are. Because you don't have any individuality. You don't even have a personality. Your personality is closely matching theirs. And if that's the case, they don't know who you are. They don't know your favorite restaurant. They don't know your favorite 
movies they don't know. I mean, that's kind of the basics. But if you're the type of person that says, I'll go anywhere and I'll eat anywhere and I'll watch any movie, I mean, that might be an exaggeration, but maybe not, then they're going to have no idea who you are and you're going to become extremely boring to them. I hate to break this to you. If you've, if you've not heard me say this, this is some tough love here, but this is going to be a life changer if you can start being yourself, even if you have to find yourself. And finding yourself could be just as easy as asking yourself, what do I like? If you say, I like everything, then I'm going to say, okay, here is a bucket full of smelly garbage, here's a bucket full of fish, and here's a bucket full of money. <laughs> Which one do you want? Well, I, I think I like the money best. Okay, then you don't like everything, do you? Well, that's not what I meant. This is where you need to start differentiating what you really like and what you don't. Well, I don't like garbage. That's great. Now you have some sort of structure in your life because you're creating the boundaries of your values. You're creating what you like and don't like, what's important to you and what's not important to you. And if you can come to terms with that and say, you know what, I really like this and I really don't like that, that structure creates your boundaries. That structure creates an understanding of who you are. And when you understand who you are, what you like, what you don't like, what you prefer, who you're attracted to, what kind of jobs you like, if you love money or hate money, all of this is valid, but get really clear on it so that you know what's important to you. So the next time something happens and somebody brings something up like, hey, what restaurant do you want to go to? You can check in and ask yourself, hmm, what would I like? I think I like pizza. Let's have some pizza. Instead of saying something like, anywhere you want to go, I don't care. I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing to say. If you're saying that now, and that's fine. I'm just saying if you're a people pleaser and you always say that, then that can be a problem because then people don't know who you are. They don't think you have your own opinions. They think you're just doing everything to accommodate them. You get boring and they get resentful and then you get resentful. So again, look up all my resources on people pleasing and you'll understand more of that. But I wanted to mention that because you said I change. So I don't want you to change. I want you to find yourself and be yourself. This is step one. Another thing that you said is you're what my girlfriend calls me, a serial monogamist. <laughs> we love being in a relationship and hate being alone, or at least that's who I was for most of my life before I met my girlfriend. As soon as I got divorced, it was the longest span of time that I wasn't in a relationship. And so this was just before I turned I think it was around when I was 40-something, 40 42 maybe, and I'm 50 now. So back then, it was the longest span of time after my wife and I separated and the divorce went through. It was the longest span of time I had been alone. And a month after the divorce was final, I made a decision that I had never made before. My decision was this. I'm going to choose to be single. That was it. I'm going to choose to be single. And... The reason is because I never knew myself at all without somebody else in my life. I even asked myself that question, who am I without someone else in my life? Who are you without someone else in your life? You know, a romantic partner or, or someone that you're always with. Who are you? 
Because if you don't know, it's a great time to find out. This person who wrote to me, it's a great time to find out. Because now you're in the middle of a breakup and maybe you need to know what your thoughts are without other people in them. I know what she's going to say. She's going to say, Paul, I've been single before. I know what this is like. I know what my thoughts are without other people. And my question would be, okay, when you're single, are you okay with being single? And are you happy? And if you say, no, I'm not happy. I, I want to be with someone and being with someone fulfills my life. I get that. And it's true. Being with the right person does fulfill your life. But can you not be with someone and also have your life fulfilled? It doesn't mean it's all happiness all the time. I'm just asking you, are you comfortable and happy being alone? Not that you have to be single. I'm just asking, are you comfortable and happy being alone? If the answer is yes, then great. The next question is, how do you think without someone else in your life? Meaning, how do you form thoughts? What thoughts come up? When you say, I want to go to the beach today or I want to go to the movies today, do you say, well, I wish I had somebody else to go with because that will bring you down. That will certainly bring you down. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go with somebody else. I'm just asking you what your thoughts are on that. What are your thoughts without another person in your life? This is the journey I had to go on. I, I really decided that I did not know who I was without someone in my life because every major decision in my life involved someone else. And this is my next point here is that when you are with someone, all your major decisions involve them. And so one of the things that I learned after my separation and after my divorce and choosing to be single for the first time in my life was that every time I moved into a new state, because I moved around a lot in the U.S. at least, I moved because of someone else. And so I decided that this time I'm going to move where I want to move and no one has any say on that. And even if I meet someone special and they live in another state, I'm going to stay in the state that I want to stay in. And when I said that, boy, it felt like a shift. It felt like something changed inside of me because it was the first major decision that I made that didn't involve someone else. I decided that this is what I'm going to do for me. What will you do for you is my question to you. What are you going to do for you? Even if you decide to move to the desert where no one else is around and you're going to choose to stay single no matter what because it's what you want to do for you. That might be a stretch, certainly, but the point is, what major decisions are you going to make for yourself that you would normally make with somebody else? Is it buy a house? Is it move to a different state? What is it? Because if you can come up with thoughts on your own and do things on your own without someone else in your life, even just the thoughts, maybe you don't have the means or the resources or the money, just having these thoughts and saying, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. Then you start to shift inside of you and you make yourself a priority. You fill your own cup and you start to connect with yourself in a way that you maybe didn't before. And when you can do this, the people that may come along in your life, you can choose to alter your path or not, but you're not going to do so solely because you want to be in a relationship with them so you'll sacrifice. Because I didn't want to sacrifice anymore. I moved to places that I didn't want to move just because there was somebody there that I wanted to be with. 
And even though that can work out for a lot of people, I didn't want to sacrifice anymore. I felt like it was a compromise. Probably sacrifice is the wrong word, but compromise is the best word I can think of here because I could have been happy where I was, but I chose to move anyway because I was following my heart. It's weird to say. Everyone says, follow your heart. But following my heart took me out of myself. It took me into places I didn't want to be. I adapted because I was highly adaptable. I was that people pleaser. I became accommodating and I was okay with it. I never complained. But looking back at all the things I did in my life and all the major decisions I made, I can see that I made compromises that I didn't have to, but I chose to. And I probably violated some values. At the same time, I wanted more adventure and spice in my life. So I did those things as well. But looking back, you know, you can see where maybe you could have made different decisions. Now, I tell you all this based on the experience of meeting my girlfriend, who after my divorce, I was alone for 10 months and I was okay being alone. And when I met my girlfriend online, I told her, not interested in dating. (laughs) I mean, if you don't know the story, we met on a dating site and the day before I got off the site because I made the decision I wanted to be single, she reached out and said, hey, how you doing? And so we communicated as friends for several months and I told her, I don't want to date. I want to stay single. This is what I need to do. I need to find out what my thoughts are without other people in my life. And I also needed to do some healing regarding relationships and my divorce. And she was totally cool with that. And we were best friends for several months until we ended up uh, eventually dating. But before we ended up connecting and dating, the issue came up of moving again. So here I am, met someone, and there's an opportunity to be with this person, but we were a thousand miles apart. She was in Georgia, I was in New Hampshire, and she goes, well, you know, it's too bad you weren't closer. We could date and see how this goes because we weren't really talking about dating. We were just friends, but she brought it up. So I thought, okay, let's consider this. It was surprising because I didn't even consider dating at all, but she brought it up. So the first time in many months, I considered dating again. But the problem was she couldn't move from Georgia to New Hampshire because she had a kid down there and she was sharing custody with her, with her ex. And I was in New Hampshire and I had made the decision that I was going to stay in New Hampshire. That was my decision without the influence of anyone else in my life. It was the first major decision that I made for myself without being in a relationship. And I was going to stick to it. And that meant losing the relationship. That's a scary prospect, I know. But let me tell you what happened. I got on the phone. I called her up and I said, you know, I thought about this and I don't want to move. And she said, oh, okay, I I get that. I said, you know, I've moved for a woman. I followed my heart. Every time I got into a new relationship, I moved somewhere new or I did something major that I wasn't necessarily on board with. And she was disappointed to hear it. But at the same time, and she told me this later, she was so happy that I was honest about that. She was thrilled that I said that, even though it meant we weren't going to be together. I said, you know, I just can't do it. This is where I want to be. And again, disappointed. And we had our conversation and then we hung up and that was it. And I think we talked again and she said, you know, 
thank you for telling me that. That must have been hard. And um, it sucks that you won't come down. But at the same time, I'm really glad that you said that because so many guys will do that. I'll get into a relationship and instead of doing what they want to do, they'll do what they think I want. And so what they'll do is pack up and move like you used to do. And uh, she told me this and I thought, wow, I, I just told her the bad news that we can't be in a relationship. And she supported that even though it takes away the possibility for a relationship for us. So this was like the next day and she was telling me all this. And I told her, you know, overnight I thought about this and I realized that the decision that I made to stay was what empowered me, is what gave me the feeling that I am my own person with my own thoughts. And that's the hurdle I needed to jump. That is the obstacle that was stopping me in the past. And to be able to tell you this and stick to it and feel good about it empowered me to the point where I finally felt that my life was on my track and no one else's. And she says, I, I totally get that. And I, I'm so glad that you said that. It's, it, I encourage that. That's what I want. I want you to have your own thoughts. I wish everyone was like that. Have their own path. And if those paths cross, great. If they don't, then we're on our own paths. And so I stopped her and I said, well, let me tell you this. Overnight, I asked myself, why can't I move down there? Why can't I move down there for myself? Because if I move down and I don't like it, I can move back. <laughs> and she was silent, I think. And uh, I said, I was so focused on staying here no matter what because I really felt my power. It really felt good making my own decision for me. But here I am making another possible decision for me that I might actually enjoy it down there and I might actually enjoy being with you and it could all work out and I could be happy all around. And she thought, okay, so what does that mean? And I said, well, I'm going to try it. <laughs> I said, why don't I come down for a month, stay with you, and if it works out, then maybe I'll move down. And I said, if I don't like it or if we don't get along, then I'll just move back. She was surprised because I already told her, no, not moving down. And now she said, oh, wow, okay, or whatever her reaction was. But we came to the agreement that that would be how it went and you know the rest of the story is I've been here ever since I'm in Georgia now so it all worked out but I really think I needed to pass the self-empowerment test I needed to pass that point where I was making decisions for myself to benefit myself even if it disappointed someone else this is what I'm passing along to the person who wrote anyone that's listening right now that needs to hear this when you make empowering decisions for you, you give yourself permission to make those decisions, first of all, and also let the world know that you are capable and will make those decisions if need be because you want the personal freedom to do so. And that was key for me. I never really felt like anything was personally mine. There's no personal ownership in my decisions. It always involved someone else. And when I started making personal ownership decisions, being responsible for the decisions that I made for me, things shifted. And then I could make any decision I want because I knew I could make any decision I want. 
So this is what I'm telling this person who, who wrote to me who said that uh, she was single for a couple months at a time and maybe one time at six months. So there were points in time where she was single, but did you really connect with yourself? Did you really empower yourself with the ability to make decisions that worked for you, that were right for you, that only included you, that never included anyone else to the point where you made decisions as if you were going to be single for the rest of your life and be okay with it. That doesn't mean it has to happen. It's just a matter of being in your own thoughts without the thought of anyone else in it. So that's like part two of my answer. Part three is congratulations, first of all. You are now the wisest person you know (laughs) for all the challenges that you've run into. All the breakups, all the relationships. You are wise. I want you to be okay in that wisdom. Wisdom comes from the experience. Experience comes from everything that you've done in your life. And you've done a lot. You've been through a lot. You know relationships. You may not know what a healthy relationship looks like, or maybe you do, but you've been in a lot of unhealthy ones. You know what those look like. So that's like half of part three. The other half of part three is when you get into another relationship or when you don't. I want you to move cautiously as if you are looking for the red flags of trouble. I know that sounds like paranoia, but it's not. It's just conscientiousness. Because what ends up happening is the people, like myself for many years, that throw ourselves into something, like you said, 1,000%, we end up not moving slow enough. It's okay to move slowly. In fact, if you connect with someone who wants a relationship with you and they are not okay with you moving slowly, you are not with the right person. That might be an unfair thing to say, but I want you to be aware that if somebody doesn't have the patience to move slowly with you, then they're probably not going to be compatible with you. So yes, you could meet someone that wants it to move faster, But do they understand that you want to move slow and are they patient? And will they never, ever say, when's this going to end? It doesn't have to go that way. I mean, there is a point where you move to the next phase, the next level, but it has to be on your terms. This is where you make decisions for yourself, the decisions that you're comfortable with as you move forward. So you move forward cautiously, carefully, while observing what's happening, observing other people's behaviors, observing your own behaviors. And as you move slowly, you get to watch everything unfold at the pace that you're comfortable with. The people that like to throw themselves into a relationship, like what you're saying, Those people, again, this was me many years ago, those people just want a relationship, just want to be loved, just want to feel happiness and connection from someone else. I get that feeling. I think a lot of us want that. But if you throw yourself into that, because you're seeking that, then you miss so much along the way. You start dismissing the flags. You start giving people the benefit of the doubt when maybe they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you need to address it. Maybe you need to say something about behavior that you don't like or something that they said to you. And yes, that is risking a relationship. That is taking a chance that the relationship could end 
because you honored yourself and honored your values. I want you to hear that in the way I mean it, which is, this is a good thing. If you honor your boundaries and stay in alignment with your values and the relationship ends because they don't like that or they aren't on board with it, they're the wrong person. So yes, this means that you could lose relationships. You could lose their love and connection because you honored yourself. But you shouldn't be with people that don't allow you to honor yourself. You shouldn't be with people that don't allow you to value yourself, meaning you're in alignment with your values. Because when you are with people like that, they don't let you be you. And I need you to be you. I need you to stay you. And this may be the issue that you're dealing with. If you really are changing because you aren't allowed to be you or you don't feel like you're allowed to be you, then what you need to do is find out who you are. That could mean an extended period of time where you're single and you finally figure out what's most important to you and what you will and won't tolerate in a relationship going forward so that you understand yourself so well that when you get into a relationship, Nobody can separate you from that person that you've become, meaning they can't change you and you won't change you. That is so important. I hope that makes sense. It doesn't mean that you're an immovable object. It doesn't mean that you can't give a little in certain places. Like if you have your top five values and one of them isn't being met fully, it doesn't mean you can't give a little because everything else is great, unless it's a very high value. If it's one or two, you might have a problem. But if it's number four or five or six or 10, and that value isn't being met fully, the rest of the relationship could be amazing enough that it doesn't bother you. It's when it bothers you that you may have to bring it up, you may have to talk about it, you may have to figure out if it's ever gonna change, and if it doesn't change, can you learn to accept it? Can you be okay with it? Because if you can, then you're in good shape. If you can't, then it needs to be addressed. But the point is, you don't want to be with people that don't honor you honoring yourself. You don't want to be with people that don't value being in alignment with your own values. If you're a Republican and he's a Democrat and he never talks down to you about it and allows you to be who you are, maybe it can work out. I doubt it. <laughs> but maybe it can work out because you guys have different values and that's just something that might come up every now and then. But if you can have honest, civil, adult conversations about politics or anything else that might be controversial or whatever, and it never leads to hurtful comments or feeling bad, then it can work out. But you need to be very aware in yourself what will bother you, what is acceptable and what isn't, so that when what's not acceptable comes up, you can address it or figure it out or just put a stop to it. So coming back to my point, what I'm trying to say is that you do have to be prepared that a relationship or a situation could end because you're honoring yourself. But what better way to honor yourself than to get rid of things that aren't in alignment with who you are and what you believe? What better way? I mean, this is how you create happiness in your life. You continue making decisions that are in alignment with those values. And there's a question that I ask myself, uh, which is very simple. Whenever I make a big decision, is this in alignment with my top values? So when a big decision comes my way, I ask myself something like that. I mean, I don't have to do this too often because I pretty much memorized everything and I could just do it pretty quickly, but I might have to ask myself, okay, uh, I'm about to make this decision. Is it in alignment with my value? 
And then if it's not in alignment, I'll ask myself, would I be okay if it wasn't in alignment with these top values? And if the answer hovers around no, then it's a big no. I mean, that's what happens in my mind. So I could have something very enticing on the table, but if I know it's not in alignment with what I value most, and I won't feel good if I go forward with it because those values are being violated, then I'm going to say no. And I might have to say no to some good stuff. At least it appears to be good stuff. But this is why I wrote Stop Self-Sabotage, because we make decisions that sabotage our path because they're not in alignment with our values. And when we do that, we get what we get. And then we wonder, what went wrong? How did I mess that up? Or how could I not see all the red flags? We might be able to look back from the beginning of that decision and discover that maybe those flags were there, but we didn't see them because we weren't aware of what was most important to us. And it's just important to be aware of that stuff. whole bunch of stuff I just threw at you. I hope this helps. Thank you so much to the person who wrote this. I am sorry that you went through all this. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not an oncoming train. Dave Ramsey used to say that. I love it. So just remember what we talked about today and um, really connect with yourself. Really get in touch with yourself. Treat yourself like your own best friend and make sure that you are filling that cup because you deserve it. You've been through a lot. And take that wisdom with you into the future. It will come in handy. It will be your light. Let it guide you to the shore. You will find the right path for you. Thanks again for writing and thanks again for joining. I appreciate you. When we come back, I'm going to say my thank yous and goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank the patron members for their support. Patrons of the week, I call them now. We're those who are contributing financially to the show that help keep us going and making up for the first three years that I uh, went through my savings account. (laughs) The show does well because of the patrons, and I appreciate each and every one of you. The patrons this week are Stephen. Good to see you again, Stephen. Deborah, you're new. Thank you so much. She wrote um, and said she wanted to give back, so this is how she did it. Thank you, Deborah. Uh, Giannis, uh, Giannis, Giannis, you're new too. I think somebody else named Giannis wrote to me too, but I think this is the second one. I'm so glad to see you. Thank you for joining. Thank you for your support. Daisy, good to see you again. Brad, always good to see you. Clarissa and Michelle. Michelle, you're new too. Good to have you on board. Thank you so much for your support. And David, you're new too. Wow, a lot of new people this week. And thank you, David. And Julie, again, good to see you. Thank you so much. Holly and Chris, loved seeing these names. I recognize all of you. Jamie, yes. Jennifer and Leslie, you're new too. This is a long list. All of you, I appreciate. I am grateful for and thank you so much. And if you value the show and you want to give back, you can head over to moretob.com and there's options there to give monthly or a single donation. And if you give monthly, you'll be in the patron program, which is a membership site that allows you to access all the videos and worksheets and uh, private episodes that I have in there. And uh, that's my way of giving back. And I appreciate everyone that supports the show. Thank you again, patrons. And I also want to mention a donation that came in. Ellen. Ellen probably used that donate button at moretob.com. Thank you, Ellen. I appreciate your support. 
very grateful. That was out of nowhere. Thank you, anyone that donates or even shares the show. I love when people share the show and tell others about it. That's also a way to give back. Not that you have to give back. I'm not telling you to come over here and give me money and give back. It's not about that at all. I want you to enjoy this show. I want you to learn, heal, grow, and evolve. If you do that, you're helping my cause because you're becoming a better person, which makes my life easier. (laughs) Or better, I should say. But it makes it easier as well. So I'm glad that you're here listening, learning, growing, and evolving. I appreciate you. And let me tell you about Love and Abuse. I mentioned that earlier, the Love and Abuse podcast over at loveandabuse.com. If you're having trouble in a relationship or you're having trouble with somebody who every time you talk with them, you feel bad or you feel like you're being blamed for everything that's going wrong, maybe it's emotional abuse, maybe it's a manipulation, maybe it's some level of control, head over to loveandabuse.com, tune into the podcast, and maybe that'll give you the answers you're looking for. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And you know, I mentioned love and abuse. I'm just going to read this message really quick because it has to do with a relationship as well. This person wrote, Dear Paul, my relationship has gone through so many ups and downs, culminating in deception and trust. The biggest aha moment was a text from my significant other that stated, I can't open up to you because it doesn't feel safe. She goes on to say, For the past year, I began to look up narcissism, and while most things come from a perspective of intentional behavior, it didn't really resonate with me. It wasn't until this last set of lies that I finally came headfirst into the fact that I may be the reason for the mistrust and lies from my partner, that my critical and judgmental actions are causing the erosion and making my partner feel unsafe to be honest with me. Over the last few weeks, I've been doing a lot of online reading, and not all, but some of what I read sounds like me. It wasn't until I found your site and read your post about being an emotional abuser that it really sunk in. It hit home. I still don't want to believe it, and I want to retreat, but I know I can't do that now. It's an incredibly tough pill to swallow and something I don't want anyone to know. I feel sick about how my partner feels and how he has unconditionally supported me, and I have not done the same for him. My own actions have been the cause of his omissions, dishonesty, and financial infidelity, and also that I haven't seen him or been there for him. I'm downloading your mean workbook, and I wanted to thank you for your story. I don't see myself as a bad person, but I am not who I thought I was. I didn't intentionally set out to hurt someone or be abusive, as some of the sites state. It happened over time as I've grown unhappier with myself, and I've been taking it out on the man that's been by my side all along. So thank you for your words. It's been heart-wrenchingly eye-opening, and I hope in time, healing. What a powerful letter. Thank you so much for writing that. And I read that letter because of two reasons. One, I talked about the end of my marriage, and you know, the marriage ended because I was very critical and judgmental, just like this person. And when you're like that with someone else, their heart starts to close up. They don't feel safe with you. They don't feel like opening up to you. I'm sure my wife had to lie about a few things with me because if she told the truth, guess what? I'm going to make her feel bad. So this is what can happen is that when we are critical and judgmental of other people, they can start to close up. Now, I also read this message because I didn't want the person who wrote it to think that it's all her fault. It's not that it's your fault. You are responsible for your behaviors, absolutely. But he is responsible for his behaviors as well. If he's lying, if he's doing what you said, financial infidelity, if he's doing any of that stuff, 
he is choosing to do that consciously. Yes, he might have a fear of you and how you'll respond, but don't put that all on you because he made the conscious decisions to do those things. He could have easily just done those things and faced your wrath or whatever. I'm not saying that's easy, and I'm not saying that everyone should do that because there are situations that are too dangerous for that to happen, but he needs to still take responsibility for doing those things because lies in a relationship are unwelcome and break the relationship contract as far as I'm concerned. And being critical and judgmental also breaks the relationship contract. So you both had a hand in it. So give yourself a little bit of a break. You know What I like to say is forgive yourself a break so that you can move past this. And I know how you feel. You feel really awful. And I'm actually glad that you feel awful for being emotionally abusive because that is a sign of healing. That is a sign, a major sign of empathy. Once you put yourself in their shoes and learn how it feels to be them because of your behavior and it makes you feel ill, you're on the right path. (laughs) So I hate to give you that news, but at the same time, I love to give you that news because that is the right path. That is your incentive unfortunately it's not going to feel good for now but it gets better as you get better because you realize you never want to be that person again this is what I went through when I was critical and judgmental of my wife and then the divorce came and she said she's not interested in reconciling I had a lot of introspection time a lot of reflection time and I realized for the first time ever that their pain was caused by me and my empathy kicked in and I felt their pain. And yes, it made me sick. It makes me sick to talk about it now that I was ever that way. But back then, I was ill. I was ill to my stomach and I did not like that feeling. I never wanted to experience that again. And that was a major, major incentive for me to make the changes that I made and still make today. And of course, if I really loved her, then I wouldn't want her to be hurt by anyone, including me. So everything that you're doing, this person who wrote, everything that you're doing is the right thing. If you're feeling sick, hey, congratulations, you're on the right path. (laughs) There are other ways to go about that. There are other ways to heal. But I've learned it's very effective to feel bad about making someone else feel bad or in your case, feel ill about making someone else feel bad or hurting them. But he still has a responsibility for changing his behaviors too. Yes, he probably did these things because of how you treated him, but this is the time for honesty on both sides. This is the time for vulnerability on both sides because what's going to happen going forward is that neither one of you are going to trust each other. So you have to be open. You have to be honest. You have to be in a space of complete humbleness and as you move forward it's going to be hard to trust each other you're both going to have emotional triggers that come up but if you can be honest about those emotional triggers that come up and share them with each other even though it's hard and just be very vulnerable with each other there's a chance that you could build something very strong and make a solid foundation so that this kind of stuff never happens again you can do this and I hope he's willing to do this as well and if he's not then This may be your healing path that needs to unfold just for you. And if he wants to move on, that might be his choice. And when we love someone, we do let them go. 
we let them go. And if they come back, wow, that's amazing. And let's hope that we're healed and they're healed and we can meet it as new people. But if they don't come back, then can we love them enough to set them free? Can we love them enough to let them be? And so there's some cliches in there. but <laughs> You get what I'm saying. I think these cliches have some validity, so I use them. So I'm grateful that you shared this with me. Thank you for your words. And I'm sorry about the heart-wrenching, eye-opening experience that you had. And at the same time, I am so glad that you had that experience because your life is going to change if it hasn't already. You will become happier. You will feel a huge weight lifted off of you as well. When I started healing from my emotionally abusive ways, I felt this massive weight lift. I was no longer carrying around those old emotional wounds. That feels so different. It's a new experience and I'm still grateful for that experience today. I remember when that shift happened and it changed everything. It changed my thinking, it changed my feeling, and it's going to change you too. You will get there. So thank you so much for writing in. Thank you for listening to the show. Always remember to keep an open mind so that you can step into your power. This will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.